Oh, wow. I, I love baptisms. It's probably one of the most Christ-honoring things that I have had a chance to witness. And David, and, um, and all of you, um, appreciate the fact the big step that you have taken. Sid and Abby and Jordan and Kat, David. Um, appreciate what God has done in your lives. You've had different backgrounds. But the same Jesus has impacted you and has produced not just a change of beliefs, which is important, but also a change of behavior, a change of attitude, a change of direction in life. And um, I want to talk to you for 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so, um, to you. But I'm probably also including the ones that were baptized last month, Laura and Matthew, Danny, um, and I think Bryson's back in Sunday school where he belongs. But um, I want to talk to you and the rest of you, if you would like, you can listen in. But what I have to say is directed at you specifically. And it answers the question, okay, you've been baptized, well, now what? Is this an end-all situation? It is not. It's really sort of a beginning. As we sang in that last song, we... I want Christ to be magnified in me, and I want Christ to be magnified in you. Not just Sunday. You know, some people are Sunday-only Christians. They act real holy and proper. And then the rest of the week, they live totally differently. Um, We we want your lives 24-7 at least when you're awake, to be devoted to magnifying Jesus. And not just for a year or two, but for life. Until the Lord takes you home. And this is what I want to talk about. And I want to pinpoint five areas where God has deeply impacted my own life. And these are areas where I want the Lord to impact your lives as well. And go through these rather quickly. And then um, I want to pray for you and pray for all of us that God would move in our hearts. These five areas I consider to be essentials in the Christian life. They're not just an add-on for certain special people. It's the intention of Christ to have these areas of what I call growth to characterize every single one who's the follower of Jesus. I want to read just one verse from Second Peter 
chapter 3. It's the very last verse in this particular letter. And it says this. Grow. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's so much we could say about that verse. But what the Apostle Peter is telling these people at the very end of this long letter where he goes into all kinds of things and he encourages them is to continue on from where you put your faith in Christ and have been baptized and go on from there and grow in the grace, the wonderful grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here are the areas. Number one, make Christ the center, the very center of your life. David, and I think Kat, you alluded to this too, how you were running your own lives. And it didn't work very well. It never does. And how you gave the control of their lives to Christ. And it's not a one-time deal. I have found in my own life that I tend to pull the control back to myself. And I have to actually do this every single day. In fact, sometimes multiple times during the day. And I pray you'll do that. That first thing in the morning when you wake up, that you make the decision to make... Christ, the center of your life. Look at these verses from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and then 3 and 4. It says this, If, and the word if can actually mean since, since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. For, or because, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. It's simply saying, like we talked about this symbolism, that by your being associated with Jesus and His death and resurrection, You've died with Him. Died to sin. And then you've been raised with Him. You share His resurrection life. And because that is true of you, um, the only logical thing is to seek the things that interest Christ. The things that are above. And then it actually says... In these words, Christ is your life. He is the center. He wants you to live in light of His centrality. And do that until He appears in glory. In other words, for life. That's what we want for you. Surrender. I used to hate that word. I was afraid if I surrendered everything I had to Christ, He would abuse me in some way. And of course, I I totally misunderstood what He was like. 
And I totally misunderstood the impact of that. I remember I used to actually literally, when I was young, kneel beside my bed and struggle. Should I surrender or is it too dangerous? And I found when you surrender to Jesus, you learn about how much he loves you, not how much he'll abuse you. And so I would encourage you to do that, to make him the center of your life every single day, all through the day, and for life. And then the second thing, spend time with God. Spend time with God? Can you imagine that? The mighty, holy God. It's possible to actually spend time with Him. I can't get over that fact. But it's true. God is a very relational God. He loves to have relationships with people. He loves to talk to people. He loves to listen to people. He is that relational. And my encouragement to you would be to spend time with the Lord listening and talking to Him. How do we listen? Through the pages of His Word which He has given us in our own language that we can understand. And there's this verse in Second Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17. It says, all Scripture is breathed out by God, communicated by God, given to us because, because He wants us to hear His voice. We don't hear it audibly. We read it Every time we read the Bible, we can hear His wonderful voice. I've maybe shared this, but it was kind of a watershed moment in my life. I think I was about Sid and Abby's age. And I had a youth leader who one summer took an interest in some of us at our high school, and he encouraged us to meet him in this park at like 6.30 in the morning, which was a wonderful time for a teenager in the summer, right? Um, And to meet him there, bring our Bibles, that's it. And he told us all to go find a tree, there were a lot of them, sit, lean up against it, open our Bibles and begin to read. And I I can't recall exactly what I read. It was a psalm, I believe. But as I was reading, I think it was the Holy Spirit who moved in me in a very unique way. And I realized this was God speaking to me. God. Not audibly, but through the pages of His Word, He was communicating it just to me. And it totally revolutionized my thinking about reading the Bible on a daily basis. I used to think it's something we had to do. 
You know, it's kind of a duty. I look at it now as a wonderful privilege to be able to do it because we can. Because we can hear the voice of God. And so, guys, I would encourage you to approach your daily Bible reading from that angle. That God wants to say important things to you and listen to what He's having to say. And then respond back by talking to Him through prayer. That's how we talk to Him. And He listens. How He can process millions and millions of prayers at the same time, I can't understand. But He's God. He can do that. And when you pray... You give Him praise. You give Him thanks. You ask Him for things. You ask Him to give you victory in your life or whatever it is. He listens. He listens. That's a wonderful, wonderful privilege. Number three. And this is going to be really, really relevant this next week. Stand against the schemes of Satan. Satan is real. He's more powerful than we are. He is not more powerful than Jesus. But he loves to tempt. He loves to bring discouragement. He doesn't bother that much with so-called Christians who are lukewarm, who really aren't following Christ. They're the Sunday-only people that show up. And then spend the rest of their weeks following his own whims. What he's concerned about is when those take a firm stand for Jesus. And somebody shared with me this week, and I believe it's true, that Satan considers your baptism today or last month to be a declaration of war, which you've made in public. He doesn't like that. And it could very well be that you will experience a tough week this week. You may have some temptations. What to do when those happen? Do not be afraid, but instead, stand firm. Ephesians chapter 6 These verses says, be strong. The verb tense in the Greek is actually be strengthened by the Lord. Draw your strength from the Lord. Call out to Him for help. Lord, I'm being tempted to do or think this particular way. I know it's wrong. Give me the grace and the strength to say no. And stand in the strength that He provides. He goes on to say, put on the armor of God. Not your own armor, which is totally, totally insufficient. Put on the armor of God to stand against the schemes of the devil. Number four, value church fellowship. Value Getting together with us 
consider it to be a top priority in your life. There are reasons for that. God in His grace has designed the church to be made up of many individuals who spend time together, learn together, encourage each other. And when you are not in fellowship, you're not here or in a life group, you might think you're doing okay. And it might work for a little while, but in actual fact, you're causing damage to yourself and also other people. Let me show you why. This verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 5, it says, Let us consider how to stir up one another. It's not should we stir up one another. It's we should, but how are we going to do it? And then it goes on to explain a little bit about the how. Stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. couple thoughts. He's encouraging people that in order to stir up each other, encourage each other in love and good works, you got to be together. I suppose we can write letters... We can call people up on the phone. Those have value. But first and foremost, the encouragement here is to gather together. Some people cannot gather because of health or other reasons. And we provide the live stream for that. But for most of us, extremely important for us to gather here so we can be encouraged by others. And it says, and this is interesting, it doesn't just say don't neglect gathering, but gather. It says don't neglect gathering, but encourage one another. In other words, when you come, Come to youth group or life group or this gathering. Don't just be there. That's important. That's wonderful. But every time you gather, try to encourage someone. And there are people here all the time who desperately need encouragement. I often pray, don't always succeed at this, but I often pray when I come here, Lord, use me to encourage someone. Obviously, I want encouragement for myself. I need that. But we have a wonderful opportunity to to gather for the purpose of encouragement. And then number five, and I'm way over, sorry, but number five, Serve the needs of other people. If you look at Mark chapter 10, the disciples had a hissy fit with some of their group because they saw them as selfish. Actually, all of them were. They were simply looking at their own needs and they wanted first place, wanted people 
to give them what they wanted. And so Jesus said these words. It shall not be so among you. This is not right for you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave of all. And then to underline the importance of that, Jesus said, even the Son of Man, that's Him, came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus was all about serving and meeting other needs. And I pray that you would find ways to serve other people to meet their needs. Find a ministry niche that you can be involved in here. Doing it out of gratefulness that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords has shown you grace and mercy and people have come alongside you and helped you. And so you simply want to do the very same thing because of what He's done for you. And so I pray that that will be the direction of your life. Here's a little review. Make Christ the center of your life. Spend time with God. Stand against the schemes of Satan. Value church fellowship and then serve the needs of others. I'd like to ask you to make a commitment to do that in your own hearts. Lord, this is how I want my life to be characterized. I want Christ to be magnified in me and through me. And this is how I want to live. Would you make that commitment? Those of you who were baptized last month, will you make that commitment? Those who have been postponing baptism, would you? Those who have been baptized, maybe following Christ for a short time, a long time, would you make that commitment? I want this for me. I'm still learning about how to do that, but I want it for you as well. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we do worship you. Thank you, our Father, you sent him. And his whole life on earth was about serving, and then he made that ultimate sacrifice and he died. And then you raised him, putting your stamp of approval on all that he did. And thank you for the privilege of Knowing Him. I pray for some that are in this room who have never really personalized what He has done, who basically need to be saved. They need to experience His forgiveness and presence in their lives. I pray, Lord, You would draw them to Yourself right now. And they would do that. And Lord, for David and Kat and Abby and Sid, Jordan, 
and the others who were baptized last month, and all of us, Lord, that we would take a stand for Jesus and go all in, all day, for all of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.